We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me is Ben Miller. Ben, we promised the people on Monday that we'd be talking little Final Four as our intro to this podcast. We're about well, to deliver. We're finally, finally, <laughs> we can't deliver the money to the people, but we can True. at least deliver our Final Four. Absolutely, locks, which means they'll be horrible, right? I mean, that's kind of what what our general consensus. I mean, I don't has think been. I've never been wrong on a, on a March Madness pool. Never, uh, never. You've, you've gotten no. the perfect bracket, so you've won one million dollars from the individual that pays that out. Usually, uh, I just don't even enter them in there because it's oh. not fair. If I, you know, have those, have, I don't, I don't want to win year after year. Okay, that, that is true. Like I always thought about uh, if March Madness was around back when they had. Um, I'm thinking of the movie Shoot uh, Back to the Future, and <laughs> oh, Back to the Future they they took an almanac that talked about like yeah. the championship winning, and then whatever his, I think I'm, I don't want to say his name wrong, but uh, he in the alternate universe he won a whole bunch of money and like just messed a whole bunch of stuff up. Yeah. I always wonder, like, you could just make a killing if you had a future almanac <laughs> of the March Madness winners. That would be ideal. Yeah. That would be great. No, but I guess we probably should talk about our final four True. locks yeah. that we have. I'll give it to you first. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, who do you have going to the final four? So I'm actually going with a combination of Kansas, um, North Carolina. I know that's that's two one seeds, um, but then Arizona and Duke. So a couple two seeds on the other side. Um, and then... For the whole thing, if we're going straight to yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going. I'm going Kansas the the whole way. How do you determine who picks these? Like who wins these matchups? So I I love basing mine on the Vegas line. So okay. you know if you if you look at the Vegas line, someone's you know minus five or five or higher. I'm, I'm almost always taking that team. You know, um, there's a few exceptions there and, and if it's closer though, if it's like a minus two, minus three, or even like plus yeah plus one plus two, it's that means it's going to be a closer matchup, and those I feel more comfortable flipping between the um, 
between the the under under seed or the the lower seed and the upper seed. Okay, so I'm like um, a, a Vegas line noob a little bit in the sense. How do how does the Vegas line predict the Sweet Sixteen opponents? Like we don't we don't know who actually gets there. So how do you have a Vegas line? For True. That? So that's that's more like your your. I mean, they're all going to be kind of close as soon as you're hitting like um, Sweet Sixteen. Okay. So I mean that definitely so changes your strategy there for you sort of then, thing. Then it's team by team based matchup. Okay. Um, but you know that fir- the first round is so complicated and there's right. like so many games. That's where I'm using you know Vegas lines to get through everything. Okay. Um, and that that's where you, you don't really know a lot of the teams. So that's that's where you need the most help usually. Um, so, so I think Vegas lines are, are pretty I actually do pretty well at the well just to I I mean we joked a little bit earlier that you know we both suck with these and I mean, now <laughs> that I'm saying this I, I guarantee you I will but I actually do pretty well when I'm picking my March Madness brackets at least the last four years have been yeah. uh, pretty successful in my strategy with doing this and I actually do really well in the beginning portions of the tournament like I can pick the upsets for the most part yeah obviously they're ones that you know but like those are the ones that everyone gets wrong. I'm pretty good at that. So my strategy when I'm putting together my lives, I'll go ahead and read the little blurbs of the ESPN, like ESPN puts out for the teams. And whenever it talks about uh, focusing on defensive abilities of a team, good yeah, defensive yeah. abilities, and their free throw percentage or their free throw uh, shooting abilities, that's normally how I pick the teams to advance. Right. Um, my thought process is you are going to be a good defensive team regardless um, of tournament circumstances. You, I mean, there's at least in college – basketball you're not going to have a situation where a team greatly outclasses you coach wise I, I think there's very few of those so your defensive system should be similar against whoever you're playing against and your abilities to play defense and free throw shooting i always feel like ends up being a big part of any game that's yeah, not just college yeah. basketball but i think of nba too it's huge implications in the game that isn't talked about as much so i pick those i don't like to rely on scoring i think scoring can be stopped by good defense especially in college basketball i particularly don't like relying on three-point shooting teams that live and die by that and yeah, that's yeah. kind of interesting thing because the badgers normally are a three three-point shooting team that lives and dies by that and yeah. at least before the sam decker frank kaminsky years they definitely died by yeah that. it's pretty funny too with the free throws this year they're so bad yeah. at the free throw line so you you might be crossing them out early yeah and that's exactly <laughs> what's actually happening they'll win the first game but i'm not sure they're taking villanova down. no no but chance anyway no. I, that's how i've normally been a picket so my final four actually is pretty similar to yours which i find is very interesting so i have kansas and ucla and then i also have duke and arizona as my final four teams and if we're talking about going all the way i'm actually predicting arizona to win it all so there you go uh arizona fans i'm sorry your team will not win the championship <laughs> again this year that's a that's a lock that's a stone cold lock on this very one true. Um, very true. but that's that is my final four teams for for this march madness yeah all right, let's go ahead and get to the actual NBA portion of this podcast. Woohoo! Thankfully, we're there. Uh, the perfect lineup from last night. Again, a smaller slate. We always have that for the Tuesdays and and Sundays for the most part. Uh, perfect lineup for Tuesday. Saw Russell Westbrook going against the Nets at 30, 13,400. We had Jeremy Lin going against the Thunder at 5,800. Cars Levert going against the Thunder at 4,000. And shooting guard Alex O'Brien's going against the Nets at 3,500. A lot of guards to pick out from that matchup. At small forward, we have Matt Barnes against the 76ers at 4,200. Carmelo Anthony going against the Pacers at 7,700. Dario Saric going against the Warriors at 77 for the power forward perfect lineup from last night. Draymond Green going against the 76ers at 7,900. And Guillermo Hernan Gomez going against the Pacers at 5,700. That was your perfect lineup for Tuesday's slate. Any takeaways from that, Ben? Oh, I mean, Hernan Gomez kind of surprised me by being on that list. Um, the Knicks actually opted to start, you know, Lance Thomas at one of the forward positions and, and move Porzingis um, to center. So they kind of have been this. doing quite a bit. Yeah. Porzingis at center. Yeah, they've been kind of switching it off. So I, I figured, you know, that kind of hurt Hernan Gomez's minutes a bit. Um, 
but actually, you know, Porzingis ended up going down with a with a thigh injury, I believe. So that actually had a, had a lot of minutes available for Hernan Gomez, you know, despite being off the bench. Um, so yeah, he was able to put up a thirteen point sixteen rebound double double. Um, and actually, wouldn't be surprised if he's back, you know, with the starters in their next game. I mean, right. that's a pretty solid performance. Um, and then otherwise, Jeremy Lin, you know, he's he's really a name I haven't heard too much this season, you know, because he had that huge lengthy absence with that injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, now that he's healthy, he's been solid pretty late. Um, at last five games, seventeen point eight points, three point six rebounds, and four point four assists. So um, that's that's pretty solid for a guy that um, has missed a, a very large chunk of the season with with an injury. While we're talking about Jeremy Lin, I have to plug my esports stuff because I am the esports editor at Rotowire. <laughs> Jeremy Lin actually owns one of the more popular Dota two teams in all of China. Oh dang! Yeah, and they're they're going to be. I'm pretty sure they're competing at the upcoming major. Uh, Dota two does a similar system to golf, where you have majors throughout the year, and I think it's a one of the more popular ones. I'm pretty sure his team is going to be competing. I'd have to check does in he, with my Does guys. he like make appearances at those things, you know? Or? Oh, he's very open about it on social media, yeah. the, the team and, and rooting. I would assume that he's been to a, at least some of the U.S.-based events that yeah. have happened. Yeah. But I don't know for certain. But he is, he's a very vocal owner of the, of the team. So I just want to I want to point that no, out. No, that, that's esports a, fact. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that. That is really interesting. A lot of NBA money being put into esports. I mean, of the traditional sports, they are far and away the most aggressive in spending money on esports organizations and teams. And uh, I I think that's that's a cool thing to see. But yeah, Jeremy Lin, really popular owner uh, for China dota 2 team yeah that's yeah it's really interesting though there's a lot of you know nba players that own like you know international basketball teams too but just the whole like international aspect is really interesting to me so that is that is pretty sweet and i, I do kind of wonder if he does actually show up to those like i bet he would well i know that so uh, roger saffle i've got to sp- spoken with him um he is the owner of rise nation which is a call of duty team i mean I think it's an organization that's expanding to other teams but primarily call of duty he is the guard i still think for the los angeles rams pretty good guard um and he will show up to every event that he can Okay. He yeah. will he will show up to every event and cheer on the players and he's told me that he'll play with the the guys too and like scrim with them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And no, I mean he's being serious. And then he'll have his teammates scrim against them because the teammates will be like, Oh, like what you're doing isn't that impressive or whatever referring to the the professional call of duty players and those cod guys will just kick their butt yeah just oh, yeah. destroy the, sure. the nfl guys so right. i think it's that's interesting <laughs> you got me in a completely esport tangent that you shouldn't have i blame this whole thing on you yeah, it might, might be now fault. that this podcast is gonna go about an hour long this is entirely your fault <laughs> i apologize uh, i'm gonna i'll just quickly go over my takeaway since you had to do that uh, my takeaway from the perfect lineup from tuesday was that we only saw one ten thousand plus guy in there um which was russell westbrook and i suppose his price was so inflated you might as well kind of two 10 plus guys but at thirteen thousand four hundred, that's insane that's a massive price and the fact that he was able to still get value for that that's crazy um but i also thought it was more impressive that we saw so many mid-tier seven thousand plus guys normally when we're doing these smaller slate games we're seeing high place high price guys and then really low price guys and that wasn't really the case when we were looking at three seven thousand plus guys so and, and that's a couple guys in there and carmelo and draymond who sometimes are in the eight thousand right. so that they definitely hit some value at, at those you know upper sevens i was surprised about that but i that was really my only big takeaway from that and it was just such a small slate that we yeah. can't really look too far into it going over to wednesday's 10 game nba slate we we had a little bit of a reprieve monday we had eight games now we got 10 games wednesday at least it's better than our not 14 game schedule that we were doing prior to the all-star yeah, that break. was that was brutal uh 10 game nba slate for wednesday we see the mavericks and wizards kick everything off at seven o'clock eastern time followed by the hornets pacers seven o'clock eastern time 7 30 eastern time sees the timberwolves celtics jazz 
Pistons, Pelicans, Heat, all at 7.30 Eastern Time. Then we have the Grizzlies, Bulls, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, Lakers, Rockets, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, and Trailblazers, Spurs, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. The following two games for the 10-game slate are the Kings, Suns, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, and Bucks, Clippers, 10.30 Eastern Time. I'm excited to watch that one if I can actually stay up for it. I'll be, <laughs> be awake. But yeah, that, I mean, that's whopping 10 games for that. Before we really get into the injuries, though, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsors. FanDuel Baseball is just right around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a RotoWire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash RotoWire to claim the prize. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel for the prize. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. All right, let's break down the injuries. Mavs, Wizards at 7 o'clock Eastern time to start off this whole 10-game slate. Really one injury to note, Wesley Matthews. Game time decision with a calf injury. He left Monday's game against the Raptors. It'll be interesting to see if he ends up playing or if he seeds some more minutes to some of the backup guys at the guard and forward spot. Yeah, we might see a little like Dorian Finney-Smith if, if he doesn't play. Yeah. Maybe maybe they even try and get uh, Nerlens Noel in the, in the starting lineup if they go a little bigger or something like that. And he's confirmed um, healthy for this game, correct? Yeah, I think he, he's he's good to go. He had missed prior games, uh, I want to say with a knee injury, but yeah. going off the top of my head. So that would be interesting to see a bigger lineup with Nerlens Noel and Dirk in there. Yeah, I think Nerlens would definitely be the more intriguing you know, FanDuel play. If he does you know, jump into that starting lineup, I, I'd probably avoid... Uh, Finney Smith, if he, if he's the one, but I mean, it's still to determine if if right. Matthews is going to play anyway. So that that's just going to be one of those to watch. It's good though that it's the first game, so we should get clarity on that before lineup log. Moving over to the Hornets and Pacers, we have Miles Plumley will be out with a calf injury. He did do some on court activities Tuesday, but he's been well out for a month now. And uh, now that Frank Kaminsky is back, and I think Plumley loses all value, even if he were to be healthy. Nicholas Batum, on the other hand, he will be out second straight game that he's missed the migraine. That's a pretty serious migraine, if that's the case. Yeah, it looks like they're he's planning on getting a CT scan on his oh, brain. Yikes. So um, I love Batum. Like I just like as a player, I love what he can be able to provide. I love him as a DFS guy too. He's always a pretty good mid tier shooting guard to use, and uh, that's just a scary thing when we're talking head injuries. Yeah, terrible. Uh, that well, I mean, terrible for for Batum, but really is probably a positive thing for DFS owners because that means Jeremy Lamb will get his second straight start. Um, Johnny O'Brien again, Bucks native, not really native, but he, he, he grew up with the Bucks. We love him. He's uh, getting a decision with an ankle injury. He's missed the last three games. Either way, he wouldn't be a huge uh, DFS guy even if he were to be healthy. And then Lavoy Allen also a game time decision with a reoccurring knee injury that's been giving a whole bunch of problems since the All Star break. Not really a huge DFS option at this point, anyhow. As the Timberwolves and Celtics go, we had the same usual injuries for the T-Wolves. Levine, Pekovic out for the season. Not really too much to write home about. The Jazz and Pistons see Derek Favors. Again, will be out with a knee injury. He's set to be reevaluated later this week, but that does not mean that he'll be playing. So uh, definitely keep him out of your DFS lineups. And then Shelvin Mack is a game to decision with an ankle injury. He's missed the last five games, and he's not really a huge DFS guy even when he's healthy. Um, Pelicans, the Heat. Omar Sheik will be out with an illness, a bacterial infection. Not really a huge guy anyway. That's kind of a scary thing when we talk bacterial and then we have head injuries. What is what is going on with yeah, this? There's a lot of a lot of unique, weird yeah. things going on. <laughs> and then we have the the whole smattering of heat guys that are out with season injury injuries, including uh, Justice Winslow, McBob, and then Chris Bosch too. So uh, Pelicans, I'm sorry, Grizzlies, Bulls. This is a bigger injury, I think, for. 
just NBA, not really DFS, not even season-long fantasy. Chandler Parsons will be out with that knee injury. He's out indefinitely with a meniscus tear. Vince Carter or James Ennis will probably get additional time. Vince Carter tore up the Bucks yeah. when that Parsons injury was announced. However, the fact that he spurred the Mavericks to sign a big deal with the Grizzlies, and now he really hasn't got to do anything at all. That's a huge thing. That's yeah, it's horrible for the Grizzlies. And Grizzlies are one of the teams I loved watching with Conley and, and Randolph. So it kind of sucks that you know the guy that they paid up for um, is kind of just out of it like he, I think he's, he's been done. injured the whole season I wouldn't doubt he's it he's been yeah. done for three years yeah, like, it's like two ACL surgeries on his right knee and then now this on his uh, left knee yeah. and it's it's ugly I mean meniscatera is a, a little different than right. an ACL injury obviously severity wise but when you're looking at so many ramifications of these injuries so many piling up that that's a horrible thing and I I can't help but actually you know, just feel like the Grizzlies asked for this because they gave him so much money. <laughs> I want to say it was four years, ninety-four million. I think they're still on the books for at least two more years too. That's and like that's, you. You knew what you were getting right. into with this. Thing. Yeah, and I never thought Parsons was that good of a player, even when he was healthy. Uh, I know he made like an all-star push at least before he was healthy, but I just didn't think he was that good of a player when he was with the Mavericks and even before then. So the fact that they gave him that much money, even after all those knee injuries, I felt like you're you're getting what you asked for at this point. Yeah, and the scary thing is, though, he was only like seeing like 15 minutes per game right. or something like that. So it's not like it was extreme amount of stress on the leg either. So that's just some frail frail knees and that that's that's scary for for a guy that you're you're paying big bucks for feel bad for grizzlies fans um but not really bad for the organization as a whole because again kind of kind of what you're asking for at that point the only other injury to note from that grizzlies and uh bulls matchup is cameron Payne will be out with a foot injury could mean additional minutes for rajon rodney who i actually saw appear in the perfect lineup in a previous night when i was kind of clicking through he could get a second straight start Interesting because we thought he was going to be cast away into the, the free agent pool Netherland, and he's actually kind of making a bit of a DFS resurgence for the Bulls. Yeah, Rondo almost triple doubled on on Monday. Actually, he had twenty uh, twenty point seven boards and yeah. six assists. So um, he's he's probably going to get thirty thirty five minutes again tonight. A so. motivated, energized, interesting Rondo is always a great DFS play. I'm not trusting it yet, but if we see back to back games like this, and we see Cameron Payne out continuously. I will definitely be on the Rondo train for DFS purposes. Yeah, that that rotation that that, that coach uh, Hoiberg, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's been a little sketchy with Jerry and Grant, you know, randomly getting DNPs, starting some. So that <laughs> that that scares me a little bit. Yeah. So I'm probably avoiding him for now too. Uh, although he is 5600, so um, there's there's some risk risk reward there that may be you know something to entertain. Lakers and Rockets, uh, no real injuries to note. However, the Lakers and Nuggets, which we talked extensively about on Monday, really did live up to the hype as far as high-scoring matchups. We just didn't expect some of those guys to actually score the ones that did. Julius Randle was really big disappointed. But <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the center, and I'm going to say his last name because I can only really say his last name, but Zubats. I have to say like a Russian accent to be able to get it. I'm not trying to make fun of him. That's the only way I'd do it. <laughs> Zubats. Uh, sounds, he, sounds valid. He did, he did really, really well against the Nuggets. 25 points, 11 rebounds. I like his chances with the Lakers stealthily tanking that he's going to be a good guy to kind of own throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, they've already said that they're they're shutting down Mozgov for the rest of the year. Thank for God. God. <laughs> I mean, not like he was a huge part of it anyway, but 
Um, yeah, I think I think Zubach is gonna Zubats. Zubots. 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 Yeah. You have to say it with a Russian accent. Zubots. Yes, there you I'm go. I'm not sure if that was it. That was close enough. That was close <laughs> no, enough. No, I, I think you're right, though. He's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to be jumping on um, to, to um, bring in that, that points and rebound production um, throughout the, the last month of the season, I think we got here. I'm waiting for our Twitter warriors to just correct us on the, his actual <laughs> nationality. I'm sure right. he's not actually Russian, but I, I feel like I have to say it with an accent to, to get the name right. We'll move right past our, our language problems and go over to the Trailblazers Spurs matchup, which could be a very interesting one for the Western conference as well as uh, DFS purposes. Ed Davis and Festus Azealia have been obviously out for the rest of the season. Evan Turner for the Trailblazers is a game time decision with a hand injury. He's uh, hoping to return from a month-long absence, but we don't really quite know if that return will happen Wednesday. DeHante Murray uh, will be out with a third straight game groin injury, and Tony Parker is still a game time decision. Uh, He's missed the last three games with the back injury. He's going to try to test out the injury during warm-ups, but honestly, what do the Spurs have? Why would they even start Parker? What's the point of it? Unless they're just trying to push for that one seed, I, I don't see any real reason to try and play. Historically, it. they've never cared about the one seed, though. Yeah. Why should they do it this year? If anything, I, I, if I remember correctly, is there a really big drop-off between the seventh and eighth seed in the West? I, I feel like there might be a, a pretty big drop from, from record and talent-wise. Well, I know that the Pelicans were, were competing for that eighth spot even before they made that DeMarcus Cousins trade. Now, I'm not positive if they are still in contention as they had lost – I think the first four that they had after they traded for Cousins. At the same time, I I don't really feel like that should make that much of a difference. I think that Patty Mills is probably going to get a start again, and and he had ten times his value almost uh, when we had him playing on Monday. Yeah, Mills had he's had I think three of his last four games he's had over thirty Fanduel points, so he's he's killing it right now. Only forty four hundred today. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't jump up too much. So. And they normally are pretty quick to price up. I, I mean, we've we've talked about Chris Middleton in the past where he came off his. Uh, six-month injury whatever it was and took a while to get up to that 6,500 more injuries not now um I think that Patty Mills is is fantastic value once again yeah oh, I, I completely agree he's he's probably gonna be one of the better better cheaper plays of the night of the whole slate you know surprisingly the amount of injuries is, is a lot lower than it usually is in a yeah. 10 game slate yeah um so I think you're gonna have to take advantage of a, a few of these and, and Mills is gonna be one of those specifically that, that I like the most King's son, see Tyreek Evans, is a game-time decision. He missed Monday's game with an ankle injury. He could, in fact, also miss Wednesday's game, too. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Malik Richardson will be out with a hamstring injury. We already know that. On the Suns' side, Alex Len is a game-time decision with a hip injury. He's missed the last two games, but he's hoping to play Wednesday. When he's playing and there aren't other five other centers for the Suns playing, he's actually a pretty good DFS option. But at this point— Yeah, with Alan Williams and yeah, the, those think, two guys yeah. combined, I don't. it's it's tough to gauge which guy's yeah. going to be the one that they go, go with. steering away from that one. And then yeah. the Bucks. Clippers running out the 10 game 10 game injury slate at least Michael Beasley we know will be out with a knee injury and then Diamond Stone who was a, a fantastic player in the Wisconsin region <laughs> didn't play for Wisconsin he went to play for Maryland yeah yeah, yeah uh, he's a game time decision with a knee injury not really a big deal either way for the Clippers and DFS purposes so we we broke down the injuries we talked about some of the more important ones um, I'm more curious to you Ben there are a lot of really solid point guard options for tonight's slate, and that's not been something that we've really thought about in the past. At least two last two or three podcasts, the point guard slate's been uh, just iffy, I guess I would say. 
great slate tonight. What are your top three point guard options? Okay, yeah, so I'm going a little a little heavy on the the higher priced guys. Um, uh, there are some cheap. We talked about Mills being a cheaper guy, but I I still love some of these higher priced guys like Isaiah Thomas. He's going to get uh, against the Timberwolves at 8800. Um, I mean, the Timberwolves don't necessarily give up a ton of points to point guards, um, but I love his price at 8800. I think it's the lowest it's been since the start of January, yep. and he's still it's 30 30 Fanduel points almost every single night he plays. So um, that that's pretty safe there. Uh, Chris Paul is another guy I like he's going up against the Bucks. 8,900. He actually kind of finally seems like he's back to the form he was before that injury, um, you know, that cost him a month earlier in the season. Um, looks like he's posted 51 and 45 Fandle points in, in back-to-back games. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the confidence is there at this point. Uh, I, I, the price has definitely increased. It's back to where, it, you know, it kind of was prior, prior to, to the, the injury. injury yeah. yeah. Um, but I, it's against the Bucks, and it's not like the Bucks are um, – they're known not world for, beaters. Right, they're <laughs> known for defending the point guard position. Right. So I think it's going to be a, a, another big game for Paul. Um, and then I'm, I'm ending with uh, Jordan Clarkson, um, who's who's going up against the Rockets. I think we talked about him Monday, too. It's, it's just 5,900. He's got that great matchup again. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be one of the highest scoring games. I think the over-under is like 235 or something oh, crazy. Yeah. It's definitely the highest scoring yeah, game. Yeah, and it, it, he actually started on Monday over D'Angelo Russell, which and was extremely weird. I was talking about Russell weird. so much, and that happened, yeah. But I mean, either way, both of the guys are seeing like thirty yeah. minutes, so it really doesn't matter which one's playing, you know, with the, the first unit or the second. So I, I do like that, and, and I think he's a guy that's fairly cheap that I, I'm willing to try and gamble on at a lower price. I think it's fascinating that you have listed three guys as your top three point guard options, and I will not list any of them. And the even <laughs> that, more, yeah. more even more fascinating is I can't really argue with anyone but Isaiah Thomas. I think that while Isaiah's uh, price is really depreciated. In in a good sense, I think that ten thousand was way too high as it was. Like we, I mean, just he wasn't going to be able to really capitalize on that value too much. So this is where he probably should be. But the, he's had like thirty point games in the last two or three games. I, something's off with that. We yeah, t- we talked about in the morning press with Derek and and Jason today, and I just I couldn't put a finger on what it was. I'm not touching it right now. I want to see him get his swagger back. I want to see a few more forty point games, maybe a mix of a fifty in there before I really want to start putting him in. And I, I'm fine leaving it off even with his depreciated price. For my my top point guard options, I love love Kemba Walker tonight at eighty four hundred going against the Pacers uh, that have allowed the second most Fanduel points to point guards in the last five games. He's a fantastic, but more importantly, he's consistent. I mean, he's had six forty plus Fanduel point games in the last eight contests. That's that's when you're just talking like all star caliber point guard, and I think that he's going to be consistent enough for DFS purposes. I love him tonight against the Pacers. I also love Ricky Rubio at 7,600 against the Celtics. He has been absolutely fire lately for DFS. He's allowed, I'm sorry, he's he's scored, I think, three straight, like, high 40-point games. I think he's even might eclipse a 50-pointer. Yeah, at some 56 point in his last one. Yeah, I mean, he's just been on fire. He's getting so many more assists. The ball is moving around quite a bit just for the Timberwolves in general. I love Ricky Rubio at 7,600. I think that's fantastic, especially because John Wall and Chris Paul and Isaiah Thomas are all kind of right around that 10,000, 9,000 range. We're seeing two guys that are lower than that. I love him. And also helps that the Celtics have allowed the six-month FanDuel points, two-point guards. So I think that's great. Um, you mentioned Chris Paul. I think he's fine. But I think the other third option for me is Patty Mills. And we kind of yeah. discussed him more. As long as Tony Parker's out, Patty Mills is going to be one of my top three options every night, I think, at point guard. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with Patty Mills, especially with no Murray to, to kind of right. you know thieve some of his minutes there. Um, I'm, I'm probably not huge, as big as a fan of, of Rubio as you are. I think he's 
his 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 floor is really really low if he hits it, and that that scares me a little bit. I mean, he has been playing extremely well, so that's understandable. But I mean, um, he he scares me, that's for sure. But Kemba Walker, on the other hand, love it. He's a guy I, I love trying to get in my lineup. Yeah, a little expensive, but I mean, that's that's he, he gets it for that production, and he 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 gets value almost every single time. I normally like to stay away from hot hand players. Like I I, I trust more than yeah. numbers than anything else, especially when it comes to baseball. We look at the numbers quite a bit. NBA DFS the same kind of thing. I like the numbers. That being said, Rubio is so hot right now, and for his price, you gotta try to find a way in his lineup, especially when the Celtics matchup is actually not too bad for DFS purposes. So I, I like Rubio there. You're not gonna really talk me off the ledge on that one. I think he's, I think he's fantastic. But we'll move over to our next question. We've been doing a lot of would you rather questions. I think this is gonna be a themed one. A would you rather contrarian play? We talked about all these point guards that we like, um, and none of them were John Wall. So you must play either John Wall and Demarcus Cousins. Or Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, and Carl Anthony Towns. Ben, which one do you play? I gotta go with with Wall and Wall and Cousins here. You know, you gotta love Cousins' price. It's just nine thousand. Um, Anthony Davis was temp- temporarily pulled from Tuesday's game with that ankle injury. So who knows if that's gonna you know linger in, into tonight's matchup and, and that even mean a higher usage rate for Cousins. Um, so w- with that potential there and, and his price, I think that could be somewhat of a steal. Um, and then with Wall, I mean the Mavericks are actually. I think they allow the least amount of points to point guards. You're on, on stealing the my lines. What are you doing? I was talking. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bash you on picking that one because the Mavericks do, in fact, allow the least amount of points there. And yet you're going with just, that. Just trying to pre. Fine. Pre, pre, just take away all my, my arguments. No, but right? he's had over 45 FanDuel points in four of his last five games. So he's on a roll, you know. Um, and, and I think it's more along the lines of I'm not a huge guy on on Carl Anthony Towns. You know he's he's matched up with Al Horford in in ten thousand eight hundred, so I I just can't I can't get myself to do that. Um, so I'm I'm still sticking with Wall and Cousins. This contrarian would you rather is kind of brought about because I think that you're going to see a lot of similar names, especially in double up formats that we are going to talk about and that we have already discussed. So here are some more higher priced guys that could actually be a, a nice play in tournaments if you guess right. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And if you're going to be doing contrarian, let's go all the way. So that's why I kind of suggest the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins combo, or Blake Griffin and Carl Anthony Towns. If I had to go with one or the other, and I'm not, and, and you're not either, but right. if I had to go with one, I would probably lean your way. That being said, I don't think you really should discount the Blake Griffin play. The Bucks really aren't that great defensively against power forwards either. Um, and it's, you, as strange as it sounds, Michael Beasley being out actually really hurts their defense yeah. at that power forward spot. And at 8,800, Blake Griffin, that's a pretty low price for him. I know you always love the low price guys, and I feel like that's like right up your alley. He's not, I mean, the Bucks don't scream obvious advantage at power forward, but 8,800, I have to imagine he's going to play. He's thrown up some stinkers. I get that, um, which is why he's a tournament guy and not a double up guy. So I think he's a fine, fine play at his depreciated price. And I'm not really worried about Carl Anthony Towns going against the Celtics and Al Horford. I think that he's one of those guys that's going to get his points and he's going to get him and get his rebounds. Like that's just what's going to happen. I trust him more than most higher priced guys. So I'm leading towards your way more so because DeMarcus Cousins at 9,000. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it would be a bad play as a contrary move to get someone like uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Blake Griffin in your lineup. Yeah, no, that, that's completely fair. And I, I could definitely see, you know, an argument to be made for for the the Towns and, and Griffin pairing. Before we get to the RotoWare Optimizer page and uh, talk about our fantasy lines for Wednesday's 10-game slate, let's first go ahead and talk about pristine auctions. 
You know I'm a huge fan of autograph memorabilia, Ben. We've been talking about this quite a bit. Uh, I love my David Johnson autograph jersey that I was able to get. I'm definitely closing in and getting a Frank Kaminsky autograph item. That's, that's going to happen. Frank <laughs> the Tank is going to be part of my collection. That being said, there are a couple other great options to look at tonight. Love Marcus Mariota as a quarterback. Even love his autograph jersey for $36. That's fantastic price for him. And I have been trying to find an Andrew Luck autograph item for some time. My fiance is absolutely in love with Andrew Luck. It's her favorite player, I think, of any traditional sport ever. $40 for an Andrew Luck autographed mini helmet, which normally goes for about 160 or 180 Yeah, this is for one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Like, that's that's crazy cheap. It's fantastic value. And those are just two of the many different autograph items that are out there and fantastic value for you to be able to get. Um, I love the fact that you can bid on these items and not have to pay for any of the, the bids until you actually win the item itself. I think it's fantastic. And even more that you have the uh, authenticity that comes with the item and the certification too. Pristine Auctions is great. You got to check them out. P-R-I-S-T-I-N Auctions. Make sure you let them know that Rotowire sent you. Let's go ahead and get to the uh, optimizer page for Rotoware. This is one of the higher optimizers suggests that I have seen since we've been doing this podcast. I think clocked in at 308 points. That's expected total yeah. for this Wednesday 10 game slate. Let's look at it. We have Chris Paul, a guy that you mentioned is one of your top three point guard options of the night going against the Bucks. 8,900 Patrick Mills, who we both like against the Trailblazers. 4,400 James Harden going against the Lakers. 12,000. Neither of us mentioned him, and you're normally a James Harden fanboy. So 12,000. Well, we'll get to him. We'll get oh, to all him. Right. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. James Harden, 12,000 against the Lakers. Jeremy Lamb, uh, going to be a benefit of the Nicholas Batum injury. Going against the Pacers at 4,900. Paul George. Hornets at 8,100. And then Brandon Ingram is a small forward in your perfect optimizer. Going against the Rockets at 4,300. David Lee. Even with LaMarcus Aldridge, I bet you if I updated this, this is before the LaMarcus Aldridge news came out. David Lee is currently in this at 4,800, but he'd probably be differentiated at this point. Thaddeus Young going against the Hornets at 4,800 at the power forward spot. And then Marcus Saul rounds at the Rotoware optimizer lineup going against the Bulls at 7,700. Your thoughts, immediate thoughts on this? I, I like the the approach it takes with the point guard and, sh- and shooting guard sections. I mean, you'll you'll see that shortly when I reveal my lineup. Uh, I'm not a, a not a huge fan of using Paul George though. You know, um, just hasn't been that consistent th- this season. I mean, uh, th- there's been nights where his numbers are were way way down, and uh, I mean, I'll admit that he's been heating up over the last two weeks or so. Um, but if I'm paying up for that much uh, for George, I, I want to feel comfortable about his production, and I, I really, I really don't there. Um, but I do like the Marcus Gasol play. Um, we we talked about him, I think, on Monday's pod. Yes, and he, um, he and he, he had a pretty Dupilla, pretty yes. solid game, and he's still priced so cheap at 7,700, and I, I think that could be a really good play as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the lesson of refreshing the optimizer page before we do a podcast. <laughs> that LaMarcus Aldridge news that he will, in fact, be playing, and we got through that heart arrhythmia, which is a very scary injury, yeah, yeah. Um, has completely changed the landscape of the Rotoware optimizer page. We have Jeremy, uh, we have we have James Harden out of okay. the perfect optimizer lineup. We have DeMarcus Cousins in. We also have Julius Randle in instead of David Lee. We also have Kawhi Leonard in. Instead, so that James Harden getting rid of that three thousand extra dollars, most player plays a huge part. You can yeah. spread it out. We see JJ Redick in as a shooting guard option at the Rotoware Optimizer lineup. We still, however, see Paul George in that lineup. So two higher price small forwards, a high price center, trading out for the high price shooting guard. 
Yeah, I, I I don't mind that either, to be honest. Like I, I mentioned it before with Cousins, I think his price is so unbelievably cheap, and and the 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 injury to Davis on on Monday kind of scares me off of him. So I think, it, like I said, it could be a better usage rate night for 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 uh, uh, Cousins, which which makes me kind of uh, like that pick a little bit better. And Kawhi's a guy I did entertain trying to get in my lineup. It was a little too expensive because I mean I'll say it, I have James Harden in there, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that that's kind of why I had to steer away from him. So my first initial lineup when I was putting these guys, I had both James Harden and Kawhi Leonard in there. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert: I had to take one of them out, uh, <laughs> but I did have both of them in there. Yeah. And it was based around knowing that we could have David leave, go ahead and, and do some production. So interesting to note. I think I'd like to hear more of your lineup before I kind of discuss more of my stuff. You've already alluded to who you have at your shooting guard spot, at least one of them. But let's go ahead and talk about your point guards. Who do you have in your lineup tonight? Yeah, so we, we've pretty much talked about both of these guys already. So it's it's Chris Paul and Patty Mills. Um, I, I won't say too much more on Paul. You know, it, he was on my my top three point guard list. Yeah, I reiterated that he's he's got a matchup with the Bucks. I think he's finally over his injury, um, and that that's that's why I kind of see him having a bigger night. And then Patty Mills. You know, it, it all depends on if Parker plays or not. Um, but but we mentioned that he's he's had thirty over thirty Fanduel points in three of the last four games. So um, when he's still in that that mid four thousands range, that there's some great value there. I love my lineup tonight. I'm just kind of scrolling through it right now, and I I just feel really good. We haven't talked a lot about our win loss records in our head to head competitions. That's because I frankly have lost count on who has yeah, won and who's yeah. lost. It's just been too hard to to kind of stay with that. I think that I win this lineup if it stays. And <laughs> and it all hinges on the Patty Mills thing. Like if Tony Parker does play, if Patty Mills is unable to play, that changes my whole lineup, I think, as far as finding cheap point guards. And I don't really have a great solution as to fix that. You, however, could just simply remove James Harden and go a little cheaper elsewhere and find a good point guard option. So True, let's go ahead yeah. and talk about your shooting guard options right away before I get to my guards. Okay, yeah, I'm lineup. going, uh, like like we said, James Harden. You know, in recent weeks, we've kind of tried to, to uh, avoid those huge contracts. Right. But I mean, that matchup with the Lakers is is way too much to resist with me, for, for me, I should say. Um, it's it's by far the highest over-under, 235. Both teams don't play defense, so right. um, the, the only way Harden doesn't right. put up a monster line is if the Rockets get up a little too much and have a substantial lead. Um, that's the only only way I see you know his numbers staying down. Um, but I, I still don't even see that happening. You know, Harden he, he's in line to pick up a huge stat line. So um, and actually the Rockets have had a, a three day break too, so he's going to be well rested. And I, I have a great feeling that he's going to have one of those big triple double nights. Um, and then with Jeremy Lamb, he's also a guy we talked about. No Batum. He, he had a, a career-high 26 points on Monday, and I, I, w- I will say I'm not expecting him to have another career night. That usually doesn't have, happen in back-to-back nights, but I still think he's a guy that can easily hit that 30-point, 30 uh, 30-fandle point mark, and Absolutely. that's kind of what you're looking for for someone that's in the 4,000s. Absolutely. I think that it's, that's easy to expect. That. And honestly, when I had known that information while putting it on my lineup, I probably would have had uh, Jeremy Land in there. I just love my one shooting guard option here. So... Point guard, we already know. I'm going to go with Patty Mills and Kemba Walker at 4,400, 8,400. If Patty Mills is out, I think the play for me, I'm sorry, if Patty Mills is going to be out at, because Tony Parker's playing, that is, if Patty Mills is out of my lineup, I will have to probably take Greek Freak Giannis, who is currently in my lineup going against the Clippers at 10,400. Take him out, put Jeremy Lamb in, find a higher price point guard because I love Devin Booker as my other shooting guard option going against the Kings at 6,600. Did you know that the Kings allow the most fan duel points to shooting guards in okay. the last five games? All right. Devin Booker, high scoring guy. You talk about the the Rockets and Lakers being the the highest scoring matchup of the night. Well, using your Vegas lines, we also know that the the 
the Kings and Suns are the second highest scoring one. And Booker's going to be doing a lot of that. I love him. He is my absolute lock of the night when I was putting together my lineups to start out. It was Devin Booker as the first guy I put in. So the fact that you don't have him in there, um, I'm, a, I'm, a little so- I'm a little sorry for you, frankly, because <laughs> this, this is where my lineup is already way better than yours. Yeah, Booker, Booker he, he's usually one of those guys you always consider, but he's, he's points heavy points-based. And um, I will admit, though, the last, like, six or seven games his his rebounding numbers are are way up from what they were i mean a lot of times he got stuck with like two boards earlier in the season so i think that's definitely helped his value but i don't know he's just a guy that that scares me because he's kind of more of a one-trick pony with the points um but i mean like you said that's a great matchup against the Kings, so i I can't really have too big of a beef against that that's a fantastic matchup with the kings and you have to admit that it's the best play of the night (laughs) (laughs) i will not go that far i will not um all right, that's fair enough. But we, we talked about our guards. It kind of feels almost similar in our mindset, obviously different players, and I think that's partially because the point guard spot has so many different options. Let's move over to the small forward area, which I feel isn't nearly as diverse as we have seen in recent weeks. Who do you have at small forward? So I'm going a little cheaper with my, my small forward options. I got TJ Warren against the Kings, um, 5,900, and then uh, Vince Carter against the Bulls at, at 3,900. You know, with Warren, um, he's coming off one of his lower scoring outputs. He had, you know, I think 10 points, uh, 10 FanDuel points against the Trailblazers on Sunday. Um, but he, he'd been playing really good, you know, prior to that. Um, in, in both the the scoring and rebounding car- categories. So that's, that's nice. I mean, like we mentioned, the Kings aren't that great with small forward shooting guard matchups. I think they give up the 10th most. Um, on average to small forwards so I, I think this is a great bounce back opportunity for him and and he's just played so well once um, once the the Suns traded out PJ Tucker so I, I really like the way he's played and not not horribly expensive either he's only 5900 um, and then Carter I think Carter is one of the more risky plays for me tonight yeah. um, he's a great tournament play yeah he's an absolutely yeah. great tournament play in my mind but I'm not sure a double up kind of guy but go ahead I interrupt yeah you. well just no no Chandler Parsons and he played so right. well on on uh, Monday that unless that was last night it, no, it was Monday. Night. Monday. It was Monday. Monday. Yep. Well, either way, he played. He played so well, and I, I think that's going to give the coaching staff some confidence, and maybe even starting him again. I mean, the, James Ennis is there. He's probably going to take some minutes um, from Carter, so that's that's where it gets a little a little sketchy in there. But um, I still think, yeah, thirty nine hundred. That that's a risk I'm willing to take with a guy who sh- who may start and who should at least see minutes in the upper twenties. There's only a few cheap options at the small forward spot, and that's different from what we've seen in past podcasts. I think you identified two of them. Um, I like the TJ Warren play, and in fact, you didn't really talk up enough that the Kings have allowed the sixth most Fanduel points to small forwards in the last five games. Okay, yeah. So uh, you talked about how, and they are statistically one of the worst teams just as a season, but even right, in the last five right. games they've struggled. TJ Warren's going to get his points. I yeah. kind of like Devin Booker's going to get his points. We know that's going to be up and down kind of pace game, uh, and the Kings are going to have to try to keep up. I think that Warren's going to definitely uh, get his round four to five times value at the small forward spot. I think that the old legs thing with Vince Carter is the one concern I have. Yeah. He's so old and I think that's awesome <laughs> that he's able to play and and do so well like right. he did against the Bucks on Monday. But I just wonder if the Grizzlies are like, "Oh, we're better off just not playing him right now because we have to worry about this Chandler Parsons injury and Carter's health for the long term." Like that's that's my only concern. I think he's a fantastic yeah. tournament option um if you want to have a couple high-priced guys in there and then throw him in because that small forward spot is brutal. There's just not a lot there. I have Kawhi Leonard in my lineup at 9,400 going against the Trailblazers. Trailblazers are not great defensively against the the small forward spot. This much is obvious. However, Leonard went off even after his concussion syndrome stuff, and I was a little worried about that. We had talked about that on Monday. 
Um, and he still went off in his Monday matchup. So Leonard's back, um, and I'm not worried about Aldridge being back as well. I think Leonard's going to be getting all the points for the Spurs and, and just contributing in the rebounding and defensive category. I love that. And then my other and really only other cheap option at small forward is Brandon Ingram. He's kind of a guy you like to use quite a bit. I'm utilizing him against the Rockets, uh, 4,300. I kind of anticipate the Rockets crushing the, the Lakers. And if that's a situation that happens, well, you just play your young guys. Yeah. And I think Ingram will get out there. I don't know what he's really going to be able to do. Ingram's kind of what I anticipate him being. I'm sorry, Trevor Reese is kind of what I anticipate Ingram being as he gets a little more developed, puts a little more muscle on, um, just a more athletic and dynamic Trevor Reese, which is not bad. I love Trevor Reese. So I, I'll be curious to see how that matchup unfolds. But at 4,300, you can do worse when a guy's going to get about 30 minutes a night. Yeah, Ingram burned me a little bit on Monday, so I, I just try to avoid going back to that well because I was fair. a little bitter. Um, no, I, I, I think that's still like the, the matchup with the Rockets is a great, great matchup to have a have a cheap option for because that's, that's where your stats are going to come from uh, with, with Kawhi. I absolutely wanted Kawhi in my, in, in my lineup tonight. But like I said, with, with Harden, um, I, I really didn't find a lineup I liked that much with um, with those two higher price guys, um, so I, I had to leave him out. But if I do, you know, end up dropping Harden for something cheaper, Kawhi is the guy I'm going to be yeah. looking at for sure. He's probably the first guy I'll look at. Um, so I, I do really love that play. At power forward, I have Marvin Williams going against the Pacers at 6,500, and Ryan Anderson going against the Lakers at 4,900. Lakers, uh, I think, allow the second most Fanduel points to power forwards in the last five games. Ryan Anderson, when he's playing, he's going to get his points. I think that's a very sneaky play. I think it's a great tournament play, but I'm actually going to be using him more in my double-up lineup. However, I really, really wanted to focus on Marvin Williams. Besides Devin Booker, I think Marvin Williams is absolutely a lock of the day. And in fact, I think I'm going to coin a new phrase, <laughs> a new phrase for our 65 and hundred players. They are now going to be the Marvin Williams lock oh, of here the we go. night. Here we we go. have the buddy heel lock <laughs> in the night where we, we have to target the 4,000 mid guys and a little lower than that. We now have Marvin Williams. Tell me there's not a better player out there for the $6,000 to $7,000 price range that fits Marvin Williams better. Like He has to be the epitome of those type of players that we've been targeting quite a bit, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, his, his price is up, though, compared to what he's been in the past. But I will, yeah, he's been playing so, so well. Like, you, you got to love that price. I think 44 FanDuel points in three straight games. Like, this guy is filling it up. Yes. And, yeah, that's still, like, it's not like he's he's in the upper 7,000. No, like 6, and, he's, and he's always around that 5,000 to 6,000 price yeah. range. He That's that's the name of this. That's yeah. the name of the player group that we're targeting. That's Marvin Williams, Lock of the Night. That's where <laughs> we're at. So, yeah, Marvin Williams is my Marvin Williams Lock of the Night. Yeah. No, I mean, that's completely completely fair. I, I think he probably deserves a night of his own for his name. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. That's that's. I feel good about it. I was. I didn't. I know I sprung this on you. I know you're a little shocked, uh, but I'm glad that you've received it well enough. I think that's it. We got the Buddy Heel Lock of the Night. We have the Marvin Williams Lock of the Night. Do you have any Marvin Williams Locks of the Night at your power forward spot? Absolutely. No, Julius Randle. <laughs> Julius Randle. No. no it, you, you might be a little... Uh, well, he, actually, I, it's, he fits the price range. He does, but I don't... I'll let you talk. That's fine. I, I, don't, I don't think he's doing well this year, but I'll let you talk. No, kind of like Ingram Randall was one of those guys that didn't have the best night on Monday. Um, but I, I still think, like like I said, that, that's going to be a strong play against the Rockets. Um, highest over-under. A lot of statistics available. Um, you know, it looks like before Monday showing you had 40, 30, and 48 FanDuel points. So, I mean... He, He's still a guy that can go off for, for a decent amount of uh, points on any given night. So I like that play. you, you got to love that matchup. And then I'm also going Dirk Nowitzki. He, uh, this is 
probably the first time I've ever used him in a DFS contest. I oh, will admit yeah. that. Um, I, I, he's not a guy that I've, I've loved to use, but um, and, and he's still a little bit pricey, uh, which I usually try to avoid. But I, I actually had some extra salary available, and, and I saw his saw him there, and I looked at his, his, his game log, and it really wasn't that bad. And I, I think he's, he's still a guy that's going to get you 30 Fanduel points easily on any given night. Now that he's um, transitioned over to the center spot, and even with Nerlens Noel back, I think Nowitzki's certainly a fine play. I will, however, point out something that I talked about in the morning press with Derek um, you you said you you gotta love that matchup. You gotta love Julius Randle against the Rockets. You gotta yeah. love the matchup. I actually don't. Really? No, I don't. Oh, the, I love it. The Rockets allow the, the low, like a third third tier uh, points. I can't even say the word right now, but they're actually one of the lesser teams' yeah. points allowed to power, power forward, forward options. Yeah, and it's not even like the last five games. It's the whole season. They actually are pretty good statistically against that power forward spot. Julius Randle didn't do well against the Nuggets, and a lot of people are anticipating him to do well. I think it's a back-to-back kind of game where he just doesn't he doesn't perform what we're expecting. At 6,500, we're looking at closer to uh, 40 Fandle points, and I'm wondering if he gets closer to 30. That's right. I, I think the Rockets are going to do pretty well defensively against him, and he doesn't really provide anything as far as outside shooting goes, which is kind of what you have to do when stretching the floor against those guys. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on board with Julius Randle. I think he's gonna be. He's gonna cater a lot of lineups tonight. I think with just so many, like there, there's gonna be so many shots being put up back and forth. There's gonna be assists available. There's plenty of rebounds available. I think the Rockets give up a, a crap load of points to centers. So I, I don't know how much of a difference that makes between the two. I mean, obviously it does because that's that's the statistic. But um, I just I, I still think that's a valid valid lineup to have. Lineup to have. Um, it's just the pace. Like it's it's such a high paced game that. Uh, like I said, there's there's so many more statistics available in a game like that than than if you're you're slow paced like the the Jazz or the Spurs or something like that. Well, you mentioned that the Lakers, I'm sorry, that the Rockets give up a lot of points to centers. You know who's going to take advantage of that? Ivica Zubats. <laughs> That's the center for the Lakers, and he will be getting a lot of points against the Rockets. He's in my lineup at 4900. I like him a lot as almost a Buddy Heel type of lock. Uh, the fact that he's 4,900, he's risen quite a bit since that Nuggets game where he where he exploded. I talked about that earlier in the podcast. So he's not quite a buddy healed uh, candidate for our podcast here. At the same time, I love him as a center option. And we've kind of been going cheaper at center most nights. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't like a lot of the high-priced guys. We had talked about that a little bit with Carl Anthony Towns, a little bit with DeMarcus Cousins. Right. I think Zubats is going to be a decent enough option we're looking at 25 fandle points right that's all we need from him if he's at 4900 salary he easily gets 25 against the rockets team that will be shooting quite a bit i think they'll be making a lot of them but they will be shooting quite a bit and he's going to be out there playing 25 to 30 minutes a night he's definitely a great play and uh i, I like him far more than julius randall i let, i will say zubats is he's more of a lock to me than than devin booker uh, in my opinion, how dare you? Uh, how I, I, dare you? I, if I make multiple lineups tonight, Zubats is probably going to be in, in right. at least one of them. I, I think that's a, that's a really good play. Um, I just yeah, Devin Booker, man. I'm just not. I'm not buying that. Just not wait, buying just that wait till he gets 35 <laughs> Fanduel points, where he drops his 20 and gets like you know like uh, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. Uh, he'll get there. I I I I feel so confident about that one. I I don't know how else to express it other than that. I feel really confident about Devin Booker. That's fair. That's fair. I still think Zubats is is a great play, and uh, like like we just mentioned, the Rockets don't really match up too well with right. centers. Um, and and he's a guy that's he's young. They're they're gonna play him. They're tanking. Um, it's a great play. Um, on, on my side of things, I'm going with DeAndre Jordan as my center. He's at 7,200 uh, going up against the Bucks. 
Same um, reasoning that we used against Marcus Saul going against the yeah. Bucks on Monday, uh, seventy seven hundred. I think was Casal's price then. The fact that he's right around there, we know that Thon Maker is going to play exactly. about ten to fifteen minutes at center. I, I like that play too. I had thought about it initially if I was to pay up. In fact, he was one of the higher price centers that I liked. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm right on board with and that. And actually, play. for for his price specifically, I think seventy two hundred is probably one of his lower prices of the season. So, That's true. Yeah. So yeah, when you combine that with the matchup, that I'm I'm pretty excited about that that play. Uh, I I can't really discount that other than I want me some Zubats. <laughs> I want I want some uh, Russian potentially not Russian center in my lineup. I like the Rockets uh, to give him a lot of points and and frankly I just like saying his name. That's fair. That's, That's pretty good. Name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us in the uh, Rotowire Wednesday NBA DFS podcast. Uh, Ten game slate again. So got any questions make sure to hit us on twitter you can uh, follow me or talk to me at jb fantasy sports ben where can the people follow you at get me at ben man doing work still the best twitter handle in all of rotowire make sure to talk to ben uh, about your fantasy questions if you have any and we'll be back again next monday to talk more dfs talk to you then everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.